0: Good evening. The Lord would like to speak to us this evening from the book of Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon chapter 5. We are going to look at verses 2 up to verse 16. Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verses 2 up to 16. The Word of the Lord. I slept, but my heart was awake. A sound, my beloved is knocking. Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. For my head is wet with dew, my locks with drops of the night. I had put off my garment. How could I put it on? I had bathed my feet. How could I soil them? My beloved put his hand to the latch, and my heart was thrilled within me. I arose to open to my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with liquid myrrh on the handles of the board. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had turned and gone. My soul failed me when he spoke. I sought him, but found him not. I called him, but he gave no answer. The watchmen found me as they went about in the city. They beat me, they bruised me, they took away my veil, those watchmen of the walls. Adieu you, O daughters of Jerusalem. If you find my beloved, that you tell him, I am sick with love. What is your beloved more than another beloved, or most beautiful among women? What is your beloved more than another beloved that you thus adjure us? My beloved, my beloved is radiant and ruddy, Distinguished among ten thousand. His head is the finest gold. His rocks are wavy, black as raven. His eyes are like doves beside streams of water, bathed in milk, sitting beside a fupu. His cheeks are like bears of spices, mounds of sweet-smearing herbs. His lips are iris, dripping liquid myrrh. His hands are rods of gold, set with jewels. His body is polished ivory, bedecked with sapphires. His legs are alabaster columns, set on the basis of God. His appearance is like Lebanon, choice as the cedars. His mouth is most sweet, and he is altogether desirable. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, all daughters of Jerusalem. All men are like grass, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we continue to thank you for this evening. We thank you that you have enabled us to gather again on this rose day, that we can worship you and hear you speak to our lives. And Lord, we pray now may you speak to us indeed. May the meditation of our hearts and the words of my mouth be acceptable before you, our God and Redeemer in Christ Jesus. Amen. Both the Bible and history shows us that there comes a time in the life of a Christian, or in the life of a church, that the Christian, or the church, grows cold to the things of God. Times when a Christian experiences apathy, or indifference toward Christ. Times when a Christian is less concerned, or less excited about his relationship with Christ. This period can be a short period of time, or it can be longer. And the hymn writer captures it very well in that famous hymn, Revive Thy Work, O Lord. And in the second verse of the hymn, he prays, Revive Thy Work, O Lord, disturb this sleep of death, quicken the smoldering embers now by Thine almighty breath. And then in the third verse, he says, "Revive thy work, O Lord, create so thirst for thee, and hungering for the bread of life. Oh, may our spirits be." Now there are many words we can describe this experience, and one other word that best describes this experience, or phrase that can best describe this experience is spiritual slumber." So this evening, with the help of the Lord, I would like us to reflect on our passage under the title, Spiritual Slumber. And we are going to look at the story, and at the end, three takeaways from the story, which are, which are the reality of spiritual slumber, the agony of spiritual slumber, and the hope for a slumbering Christian. Spiritual slumber is reality, it's agony, and the hope for a slumbering Christian. First, let's look at this story what is happening in chapter five before we look at the story i'd like to say that really the book of song of solomon is the book about christ and the church here this is the story of christ and the church or a believer here the the bride represents the church and the beloved represents jesus christ of course we can learn some things about human marriage Of course, we can learn some things about the relationship of husband and wife, but that is secondary. The main and the primary theme of the book of of Solomon is the relationship that Christ has to the church. So with that in mind, let's look at what is happening in chapter 5. The story begins with this wife. She's at home, and she falls asleep, and then the husband comes. But really, she's not fully asleep because in verse 2 she says, I slept, but my heart was awake. She was conscious, she was aware of what was happening around her. And then she hears a knock. Her husband is knocking and says, Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one, for my head is wet with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. I am very cold outside here. Can you please open for me? I need to come to the warmth of our home. And the wife gives us an excuse and says, I had put off my garment. How could I put it on? I had birthed my feet. How could I soil them? And then the man tries to open the door. My beloved put his hand on the latch. And the wife is convicted. She decides to go and open for the husband. But the husband has tried to open, and he gives up. And there, the wife comes to the door. And opens the door, and to our surprise, the husband is gone. That's what we see in verse 6 I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had turned and gone. And she's regretting, regretting her action, so she decides to go and look for husband in the middle of the night. She's, she wanders into the darkness, calling out for. Her husband. I sought him, but found him not. I called him, but he gave no answer. And then, as she's wandering, looking for her husband, she meets the watchmen of the city, the police patrolling the city, and they beat her, they bruised her, they took away her veil. Those watchmen of the wars. But she's still, she's determined. She goes searching for her husband, and then she encounters the women of the city, the daughters of Jerusalem. And then she asks them, please, if you find my beloved, if you find my husband, let her know that I am sick with love. And then the daughters of Jerusalem ask her, what is so special with your husband that you ask us to help you look for him? That's why they say, what is your beloved more than another beloved or most beautiful among women? And then she responds, and beginning from verse 10, she begins to describe how wonderful, how awesome, and how handsome, how beloved is. Says, my beloved, he's radiant and ready, distinguished among 10,000. He said, his finest God, his rocks are worthy, black as raven. She goes on to describe his eyes. His eyes are like doves, His cheeks are like bears of spices. His lips are ears. His arms are rose of God. His body is polished ivory. His legs and alabaster columns. His appearance is like Lebanon. His mouth is most sweet. And then she concludes I just want to tell you, my beloved, my husband is altogether desirable. He is altogether lovely. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, all daughters of Jerusalem. So that's really the story that is happening here. And as I've already mentioned at the very beginning, this story here, one of the things that we see in this story is about spiritual slumber. The reality of spiritual slumber. Now, what do we mean by spiritual slumber? At the very beginning, we need to define what spiritual slumber is not. Spiritual slumber is not spiritual death. Because a Christian can never experience spiritual death. Because he has eternal life in Christ. As John writes, I write these things to you who believe in the name of Christ that you might know that you have eternal life. Eternal life is eternal life. We cannot lose it. And we can never die spiritually because we have been given this eternal life. So spiritual slumber is not spiritual death. A Christian can never experience spiritual death. But spiritual slumber is that time when a Christian grows called to the things of God. God when he's no longer excited with the things of God as this wife is. There were times when this wife would be waiting for her husband, and the husband would come and knock right away. She would jump out of her bed and open for him. But not this time. She's no longer as excited as she used to. And we can say that here, a Christian or the church has fallen into spiritual slumber. And just to... Illustrated with one example. Just imagine this young man named Joe. He has grown up in a a family, which is not a Christian family. And late in his teenage years, he comes to hear the gospel, and the Lord uses that to save him. He believes in Christ now, and he's excited about his relationship with Christ. And he asks his pastor, what can I do to faithfully walk with Christ? What can I do to grow in my spiritual life? The pastor encourages him, you need to study your word daily, to pray, find men who can guide you and encourage you in your walk with Christ. And he's excited. He's doing all these things. He studies the word of God every day. And not just studying, but meditating upon the word of God each and every day. So Joel asked to pray. On average, he prays 10 times a day. Some of them are longer prayers. He takes time to pray, thoughtfully praying through these prayers, and some of them are just brief prayers as he's working or studying. Lord, forgive me for that sin. Lord, help me to walk with you faithfully. That's his life. He's praying. But also, Joel loves to go to church, and every week he looks forward to Sunday when he can go and sit under the preaching of God's Word morning and evening. He cannot wait to be at church and enjoy the fellowship of fellow saints. And these things go on for some time. Then things start changing in his life. Of course, he still loves the Word of God, but he opens the Word, he reads it, and closes it, he forgets what he has read. And he prays, and his mind is not really into the prayer, and sometimes he doesn't even know what he has prayed for. He still loves Christ. And sometimes he's so tired to wake up in the morning to go to church, and skips church. And then a friend comes to him who knows him very well and says, Joe, I've noticed something in you. You're not excited as you used to be with the things of God. What's wrong? And then Joe responds, you're right, my brother. I think I've grown cold to the things of God. And I believe, friends, some of us can share the same experience. When in a season of life, we grow called to the things of God. And our hearts are not excited with our relationship with Christ. And we pray, we read the word just to fulfill, because we know that as a Christian we are supposed to do that, but our heart is not there. We can hear our husband knocking on the door, the groom, Christ, knocking on the door, but we're reluctant to say, I'm tired to open the door for my beloved. That's what it means to fall into spiritual slumber. And you see, this is exactly the picture that we see in the book of Revelation as Jesus Christ is writing to the church at Laodicea in Revelation 3. He says, one thing I have against you. You're neither hot nor cold. You're just lukewarm. You're not cold. You're not dead spiritually. But also, you're not hot. You're not active spiritually. You're just lukewarm. You've just grown caught to the things of God. And Christ goes on to say, Behold, I stand. The same picture that we see here in, in chapter 5 of Song of Solomon, the same picture we see in the book of Revelation, chapter 3. Christ said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and open for me, I'll come in and dine with him. The same picture that we see here: Christ knocking at the door. To a Christian. To a church that has fallen into spiritual slumber. And friend, could it be you this evening? Would it be you that you are falling into this spiritual slumber? There are so many causes that will cause a Christian to fall into spiritual slumber. We cannot exhaust it, we cannot exhaust all of them, but one of them is sin, a repeated sin, and if we are not repenting, we can grow accord to the things of God and fall into spiritual slumber. Sometimes continued trials, if trials keep on coming in our lives, we can fall into spiritual slumber. Sometimes it's a spiritual attack, the evil one attacking us, and fall into spiritual slumber. Whatever the cause it is, sometimes you cannot even pinpoint and explain it. But whatever the cause is, Are you one of these people, or has our church fallen into spiritual slumber? Hear the knocking of the beloved. Open for me, my beloved, my sister, my friend. Christ stands at the door and knocks. He desires to revive you. He desires to revive me. But you know, secondary, we see here that this, this state of spiritual slumber has consequences, and there are painful consequences. The agony that comes with spiritual slumber, And we see it in verse 6. I opened to my beloved, and my beloved had turned and gone. My soul failed me when he spoke. I sought him, but found him not. As she opens the door, To her surprise, the beloved is gone. She's greeted by silence. He's not there. He is gone. And again, spiritually speaking, if we continue our spiritual slumber, Christ withdraws himself from a believer. Christ withdraws himself. You might be asking, wait a minute, Mr. Preacher. The Bible tells us Christ has said he will never forsake us. He will always be with us. So how come you say that Christ can withdraw from a believer? Well, for sure, there are so many promises. Christ has said he will never forsake us. He will always be with us. But Christ withdraws from a believer, and this withdrawal is just temporal withdrawal from the life of a believer. And basically what we mean by Christ withdrawing from a believer is when Christ takes away the influences of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer when, so to speak, when God turns his face away from a believer and his countenance does not shine on you, it means Christ has withdrawn from your life. And here, that's exactly what David prayed when he had sinned against that sin of adultery against the Lord. You remember his prayer in Psalm 51, Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. because in you? That God can withdraw his influence or the Holy Spirit upon the life of a Christian for a period. But also it's the same experience that the psalmist experiences in Psalm 88 verse 14. Oh Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? The Lord had withdrawn. And the Westminster Confession of Faith in chapter 5 on God's providence describes God's withdrawing his presence in the life of a Christian this way. The most wise, righteous, and gracious God does oftentimes leave for a season his own children to manifold temptations and the corruption of their own hearts, to chastise them for their former sins, or to discover unto them the hidden strength of corruption and deceitfulness of their hearts, that they may be humbled, and to raise them to a more close and constant dependence for their support upon himself, and to make them more watchful against all future occasions of sin and for sundry other just and holy ends. Here, the confession captures it very well. The most gracious God sometimes, oftentimes, leaves for a season his own children to manifold temptations and the corruption of their own hearts. When they are fallen into this spiritual slumber, God withdraws himself for a time and you see, the confession gives various reasons, and then at the end, it says, for various other just and holy ends. Sometimes you cannot explain it, but God does it for a reason well known to Himself. And that's what the bride here experiences. The, the, the beloved one, her husband withdraws and goes. And you see, here, as the husband has withdrawn, here the bride is so venerable. She goes into the city, she's beaten and bruised. There's no one to take care of her and protect her. And describing this this situation, this experience, the Dutch theologian Wilhelm Sabrako says, when God has withdrawn himself from a Christian, this is how a Christian is like. She's a deserted soul in the dark, surrounded by darkness, walks in darkness, and sees not where she's going. Wherever she turns, she suffers a setback and stumbles over the smallest thing, for the Lord, who is her right, has departed from her. The enemies attack her from all sides, and every one of them gets advantage over her. Every arrow hits, Satan is very successful in every attack. All the scorn of the world wounds her, and every manifestation of sinful desire draws her away. She is thus a bird caught in the snare, for the king has forsaken her, and does not go into battle with her. The Lord, who is her shield, has departed and lets her stand without protection. Exactly what happens to this wife here. She's beaten and bruised, without the protection of her husband. It is very difficult and painful, there is agony when we fall into spiritual slumber, as Christ withdraws himself. But the good news is there is hope for a slumbering Christian. And that is our last point, there is hope for a slumbering Christian And we see that in verse 8. Adieu, you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, that you tell him, I am sick with love. I am sick with love. I cannot live without my beloved. That's why I've come all the way to look for him. I am sick. I cannot wait to be with my beloved. And the hope that a Christian has who has fallen into spiritual slumber is that the love of Christ is still at work in his life or her life. The bride here can say, I'm sick with love because the love of Christ is still at work in her life. The love of Christ has not let her go. Now she realizes how wrong she is. Now she realizes that she cannot live without her beloved. So she sick for him. She desires to be with him. And friends, for a Christian who has fallen into spiritual slumber, the hope our hope is that the love of Christ is still at work in our hearts. Even though we grow cold to the things of God, God can never take his love away from us because we love him because he first loved us. And the Dutch theologian again, Gerda's voice says, the best proof that Christ will never cease to love us lies in that he never began. There's no single point that you can point to say, this is the point that Christ began to love me. Christ loved us from eternity. Even before we loved him, he loved us. And his love has no beginning and has no end. And that's the proof that we have that Christ will never stop to love us. And that is our hope, friends. When we fall into that spiritual slumber, the love of Christ is still at work in our hearts. The love of Christ will never let us go. And in that moment, we can feel the sickness, and we can say, I am sick with love. I long for Christ. I want to be with my groom. I cannot manage to live without Christ. That's the hope that a slumbering Christian has here. As we see here, the slumbering Christian comes to understand, as the hymn writer, rather as the psalmist said, Whom have I I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. The Christian understands, as Peter confessed to Jesus Christ, To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. When we are falling into that spiritual slumber, we realize Christ is our all in all. And we realize we need to go back to Him. We need to search for Him. Because this sickness will not be healed until we, we are with our beloved. Oh, daughters of Jerusalem, when you see my beloved, You tell him, I am sick with love. That's your hope, my friend. And that is my hope. The love of Christ at work in my heart. And we can recover from this spiritual slumber here as we see that the bride was so recovered from that. And the first thing as well as we see in the story to recover from our spiritual slumber we need to confess. If we have fallen into spiritual slumber, we need to confess, Lord, I have fallen into this spiritual slumber. I've, I've grown called to the things of God. I've lost interest. I've heard you knocking. I've not attended to you. Lord, help me. We need to confess our spiritual slumber. And then when we have confessed there, We need to seek the means of grace that God uses to revive a slumbering Christian. The Word of God. We need to go to the Word of God to read it and pray through the Word of God until our souls are revived again. But also prayer. We need to pray, Lord, revive my heart. Revive thy work, O Lord. Disturb this sleep of death. fire up these smoldering embers. That's our hope. That is so the Lord's table. The Lord uses the Lord's table as we come to the Lord's table confessing our, our sins and with faith as we feed on Christ. The Lord uses that to revive us. And the third thing that the Lord would use to revive us is to meditate upon the glory of Christ. Take time to meditate upon the glory of Christ. As you meditate upon the glory of Christ, you cannot continue in your spiritual slumber. You see here, the bride begins to adore Christ, to meditate upon her beloved. And she goes into details to describe her beloved. He's awesome, he's lovely, he's most handsome, he's loving, And he summarizes his his altogether lovely, Friends, when we fall into spiritual slumber, it's time to take our eyes and reflect on the glory of Christ, meditate upon the glory of Christ. Meditate his glory about his eternity, that he has no beginning and has no end. Meditate upon that glory. Meditate upon the glory of him as the only mediator between God and man. Meditate upon his glory in the church. Meditate upon his glory that God and man comes together in one person without confusion, without mixture. Friend, that's glorious. As you meditate upon the glory of Christ, you cannot continue in spiritual slumber. You wake up because that's the glory. He's altogether lovely. He's altogether lovely. And that's what the bride does here. She meditates upon the glory of our beloved. And one of the books, friends, if, if you need to meditate upon the glory, one of the books that has helped me to meditate upon the glory of Christ is John Owen, The Glory of Christ. As you read that book, it just brings you to see how glorious our King and Master is. And if I'm speaking to you and you're fallen to this spirit of I would encourage you, if you are able, get that book, meditate upon the glory of Christ. And I can guarantee you, you cannot continue in that spiritual swamba. So friends, we are all prone to fall into spiritual swamba. As I'm talking right now, there could be some among us this evening who are falling into spiritual swamma. Or, well, if you have not, I can guarantee you, and I can say without fear of contradiction, a time might come in your life when you fall into this spiritual swamma. But meditate upon the glory of Christ. And it will never be the same. Plone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Plone to leave the God I love. But there is hope. And the hope is the glory of our groom, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we meditate we, we upon him, we can agree with the hymn writer Revive thy work, O Lord. Revive us and disturb the sleep of death. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Lord, like the bride in song of Solomon chapter 5, we are prone to fall into this slumber. But revive us let us realize that you are all together lovely. And until we come back to you, we'll be sick with love until we rest in your hands and at your feet. Lord, we're praying for our friends here who might be experiencing this. Revive thy work, O Lord, and disturb their spiritual sleep.